Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Talked earlier about um, uh, some of the fines. There's a list of fines that are out for airline passengers. I find this kind of interesting, what you get fined for and how much. Flying is back as a mode of travel. A number of airports reporting that it's about as crowded as it was pre-pandemic now in the parking garage and security and everywhere else. You know when you're going to get foul she's hot and sour bat fever? My new and probably unnecessarily clunky name for it. Uh, you Coronavirus! Know you know when you're going to get it. You're on the plane. You sat down during boarding. It's all those people hovering over you, waiting to stow their bags and sit in their seats. That's when you got the COVID raining down on you. Coronavirus! That's right, Dr. Cardi. You could be right. Yeah, once everybody sits down, the aggressive filtration of the planes begins. You're fine, but getting on, getting off, man. Oh, boy, COVID city. I sure would like to know where I got COVID. I, I really would like to know when I got it, who I got it from, how. I don't have any idea. I don't have the slightest idea. Anyway, fines that they put out to airline passengers. We mentioned some of the more expensive ones earlier, but here's some fines. Here's a $9,000 fine against a passenger who was stomping and or kicking the feet of passengers behind him. What on an American Airlines flight. What an the, ass. The only way you could do that is if somebody stuck their feet way up underneath your seat, I guess. Like, yeah, how are you stomping and or kicking feet behind you unless I, you stand up, walk back there, and commence kicking? So there's a website called, I don't know, I don't remember what the name of it, but it's something like gnarlyfeetundermyseat.com <laughs> or something like that, but it's it's people who particularly who, who who take off their shoes and or socks and stick their feet way up underneath your seat. So you're like, it's got a picture of a guy. This is what I got to look down to today. You look down and it's somebody's old, not particularly taken care of, gnarly feet. An aggressive no. scent. You know, like stuck clear into your uh, leg yeah, space? Yeah, Oy. stuck clear. So like if you look straight down, you bend over and look straight down in your seat, you're looking at their their toes. I don't like that at all. That's disgusting. It's a sick enough. But apparently there's a website for, for, for taking pictures of people's. Look at this person's feet up on my armrest. Gross. Well, that's that's why I carry a battery-powered uh, curling iron on all flights. <laughs> oh, Anybody does that, I burn them. Well, let's show you. Well, this guy was stomping on their feet and uh, got a $9,000 fine. Here's somebody who got a $17,500 fine against a JetBlue passenger who allegedly pushed and yelled at a crew member. Again, I'm surprised it's not higher than that. Police met him at the gate. Um, uh, we mentioned the $23,000 fine for one passenger who yelled at a flight attendant because her seat would not recline. The FAA said she eventually agreed to switch seats with another passenger where her seat would decline. Recline. She's you're just an ass. There's got to yeah, be a special I... ass tax. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. Well, when I was just thinking, and there's like one European country, I think, that's done this with speeding tickets. It's a percentage of your income or your net worth. Because if I'm like LeBron James, rich, that rich, or I'm I'm uh, like tech billionaire rich, so I, I fight a stewardess on a flight. They find me 12-5. I'm going to punch the guy who, who hands me the, uh, you know, the warrant. <laughs> I don't care. There's another 12-5. Anybody else want some? <laughs> I don't care. Who else wants a big punching? <laughs> right, exactly. So that's that's crazy. But if you're me, yeah, I mean, that's a deterrent. 
I mean, if the chick with the reclining seat's destitute, whatever they hit her with, that fine, whatever you said, I mean, that could be devastating. But if she's some rich biatch, and I'm guessing she is, or or just nuts, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. 23 grand fine. She was angry that her seat wouldn't recline. Also, she refused to wear a face mask. She was met by law enforcement at the gate. Oh, just, I, I would, what I would do if I was on that flight, I'd like to sit down. I want to know more about you. Sure. I want to know more about your marriage, about your kids, about your personal relationships, because you are clearly an ass. You are a piece of work, and I just want to know more about your miserable freaking life. Yeah, POW is right. A lot of refusing to wear a mask. $24,000 fine against a passenger who refused to wear a mask, threatened and cursed at crew members on a Delta flight. They seem to, The fans, fines seem to be pretty willy-nilly, because you got the cursed at or threatened you've also got this one twenty four thousand dollar fine for someone who elbowed and kicked a flight attendant Yikes. because they were asked to wear a face mask god i would think you elbow and kick a flight attendant you're done you're going to jail you're getting a giant fine and you'll never fly again i would think yeah i wonder did they mention that guy a number of years back who climbed up on top of the beverage cart and uh grew a tail if you want oh oh the worst of expressions. He was riding dirty. <laughs> yeah, he was. Do you want to look up the details of that? You reference it a lot, and I feel like I don't should... reference it a lot. It's... I represent it when I, re- I reference it when it's appropriate. Folks, he references it daily in the <laughs> office or walking in the halls. <laughs> That's at not... least daily. That's you having not... a good time, Joe. Don't overeat before you get on an airplane, though. Okay, here we Fair go. Fair warning. One of Joe's favorite stories of all time. Here we go. <laughs> okay, it is. So here's here's the first question. This is considered the worst case of air rage ever by the FAA. It happened in 1996. I remember like it was yesterday. 25 years ago, Gladys. We were here's, already doing this very show. Here's the question. This guy who, if he's still alive, is now 78 years old. Poor old guy. It, he was 52 at the time. Do we mention his name? Uh, why wouldn't we? He's a criminal. <laughs> the milk of human kindness is soured on his shelves, folks. He was an investment banker. Wall Street investment banker? You don't expect them to do this sort of thing. Yep, from from Tony Greenwich, Connecticut. Rich guy, pissed off that they wouldn't serve him any more wine. Why'd they stop serving him, Joe? Gerald Gerard B. Finneran. Uh, admitted to making a threat aboard a United Airlines flight from Buenos Aires to New York. Evidently, a little unruly. I badly, need more to drink. Give me more to drink. <laughs> badly wanted another glass of wine after there. the airline had stopped serving alcohol. I've been I'm there. Drunk. I need one more drink. That's all I'm asking for. In the hearing uh, later, he said, I became annoyed and said words that implied a physical threat. Yes. Mm. Asked if he told the, the attendant he would, quote, bust his ass. Finneran said he, he assumed, yes, I have said something to that effect. Authorities alleged in court papers that Finneran started pouring drinks on himself during the flight and had threatened one flight attendant and shoved another into a seat. Was he pouring the drinks on himself on purpose or just so hammered he couldn't get the drinks in his mouth? Doesn't make that clear. Mm. Later, Finneran allegedly lowered his pants and defecated on the food cart using linen napkins as his toilet paper. <sighs> All right, got to let that sink in for a while. Mm. <laughs> How? Uh, mm. I, I know we had this very conversation as younger men on this very radio show when this happened. Did he climb up on the cart? Is he a very tall man? 
Did he? Did he? Did <laughs> he put have his? Have to be enormously tall. Did he put his feet on the armrests and straddle the cart? I think if I were to do that, if and, you were and, given the challenge of it, right? If someone were to put that challenge before me, I like your idea. Put a, a foot on a, 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 an armrest on each side. At any rate, moving along with the story, his attorney at the time, Charles Stillman, described his client as quote a marvelously decent human being. <laughs> I'm sure those are the very words <laughs> that that sprang to the lips of the uh, passengers sitting next to the food cart. Wow, aren't you marvelous, marvelously, <laughs> what? Marvelously decent. Mar- you are a marvelously decent gentleman, aren't you? I'm sorry. I called it the food cart. It's the used food cart now, obviously. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. It's, it's, that would not be easy to do. <laughs> to climb up on Jack, that cart. What hung you, up on the logistics. Well, just unless you're Simone Biles, just the body control need to... Simone Bowles, you mean? Hey, Are you I'll, kidding me? Oh, where's the laugh track? Come That's on, good one, folks. Huh? Tough crowd tonight. What? Come Come on. Has cheap history. <laughs> oh, Senator McCain, sir. Please. Simone Bowles was what I said. The mic had caught off there. Crazy. <laughs> He is not a man with a problem. He's flown, flown more than 5 million miles without incident, said his attorney. Actually, the defecation was not mentioned in court. Um, he said he had an intestinal illness. <laughs> oh, we, we've all had intestinal problems, and none of us have climbed up on any, any sort of table or cart or anything like that and done our business. None of us. Not Not often. It says here that after he did that, food service was canceled due to the conditions. What? Why? Canceled. <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna cancel the food. What? I was about to get to some tater tots. I was looking forward to that half hot burrito. Oh, oh, oh my God! They canceled the food service on the plane after he did that. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah. My appetite's not so good over here. Speaking for myself. You didn't need Who to get me. Who the f*** wants me? There he is. Wow. Nobody was hungry at that point, I'm sure. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's the biggest investment in infrastructure in our nation's history coming out of an emergency year in which we spent $6 trillion. Is that the time to make our big investment? Some of you think it is. Some of you think it isn't. But uh, it was um, roundly applauded in all the media, pretty much. Just, you know, this is obviously a good thing. There's no, no possible detraction could there be to a one. Oh, everybody agrees we need infrastructure help. Roads, course. tunnels, bridges. This is all good. Um, I was watching a little Morning Joe this morning on uh, MSNBC. I was happy to see their financial guy. He's a big-time New York capital dude worth like a billion dollars. He was Obama's car czar, Steve Ratner, pointing out a couple of the downsides to this $1.5 trillion thing that passed. There are things in there that were done in order to get a majority of the Senate initially on board. There's a billion and a quarter dollars in there for ferries in Alaska. Mm. There's five or six hundred million dollars in there for a railroad from Minneapolis to Duluth. I don't know how many people mm. want to go by train from Minneapolis to Duluth. There's money in there for high-speed rail that California's been trying to build for more than a decade yeah. through the Central Valley that nobody's ever going to take from anywhere to anywhere. Mm. So we do have to be really careful. Mm. You remember in the Obama administration, they passed over 800 billion, and 
there were questions after about how well that money was spent. Yeah. And so the, the, it's great to pass it, but now we got to spend it the right way and get the benefits show that you just talked about. We won't. We won't. Yes. Remember when Barack Obama famously said the shovel ready jobs weren't quite as shovel ready as I was told? And everybody laughed. <laughs> that is funny. That's funny. A bunch, Good of my, one, Barry. a bunch of my tax money got taken for a job that didn't actually exist, even though everybody claimed it did. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, and then, I guarantee. All, by the way, he also points out earlier in that little screed that it's not close to paid for. Maybe half of it is offset with various taxes and stuff they claimed, but at least half, if not more, is just borrowing uh, again on the future. But right. that's just a tiny blip of the amount of waste that's in this. So don't... I, I saw somebody... come. Uh, maybe it was me. Somebody complaining about this thing passing. Oh, what? You don't like roads, bridges, and tunnels? No! It's just that I have no belief that that's all it is. And of course, I'm not. I can't believe the rest of the... Rest of y'all? I've been paying for the California bullet train for years as a Californian. Now the rest of y'all have to pay for a train that... <laughs> as you even heard there on MSNBC, nobody... Ain't never gonna ride that bullet train. It will never exist. And now y'all have to pay for it. I can't wait for when someday, it might be 50 years from now, they decide, listen, we just gotta stop running empty trains up and down the track (laughs) from, you know, whatever it ends up being, you know, Bakersfield to, uh, I don't know, Roseville, California or something like that. I mean, you just got to give it up at some point. But when that day finally comes, Speaking of the bullet train, and probably a lot of these other projects, too, they'll say, well, uh, uh, ridership patterns changed, and blah, 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 and nobody will say, oh, this was a theft from the beginning. I mean, this was a criminal enterprise. This was fraud from its very genesis. Anyway, so you guarantee there's a ton of crap like that in that $1.5 trillion they got spent over the weekend. Yay! Amtrak hopes to add new services in southern and western states for fans of going somewhere slowly and expensively. <clears throat> wow. I, I look at trains virtually every trip I make. Well, I used to anyway. I love trains. I love train travel. I love looking out the window and watching this beautiful country go by. Every single time I look at it, I think, that's going to take me like three and a half times as long as it would be to drive at an enormous expense or 50 times longer than it would be to fly for roughly the same expense. So, no. <laughs> But we're going to plow billions. You know, it's funny when that very first thing he cited, a billion and a quarter dollars for uh, ferries in Alaska. I thought, no, he misspoke. It's not a billion. Then I realized, oh, wait a minute. This is like one. And, and I'm, you know, aside and aside, every time you hear a number for these damn bills, it's a different one. Nearly a trillion, 1.2 trillion, 1.4 trillion. It's, it's say anything you want, folks. Sure. When you're talking amongst sure. your friends, yeah. call it any number you want. It's as accurate as anybody else's. It's probably at least a third to a half more than what they're actually calling it. Almost certainly. So, call it what you want. I'm reminded of uh, H.L. Mencken's fabulous quote, one of the best ones ever, that uh, every election is a pre-auction on stolen goods. And for reasons we don't need to dive into, the Democrats briefly grabbed a tenuous hold on both houses of Congress. And for that, we will pay dearly for generations to come, because they have... Uh, crafted a way to steal more goods than have ever been stolen at a single time before, and there's at least a decent chance the Build Back Venezuelan bill uh, comes to fruition. I hope not. What did the the, uh, the brainiacs you follow, Jack? What what do they say? Is the the thing got a chance? Uh yeah. 
Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh. Ugh. And then, you know, mere months later, the Democrats will lose 375 seats in the House. All right, that's an exaggeration. They'll lose virtually every seat in the House. The The Republicans will have 99 senators and 429 congresspeople, and there will be very little they can do about the horrific spending without enormous political costs. Right, 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 right. God, don't even get me started on that. It makes me so freaking mad. I turned off all the Sunday talk shows yesterday. First of all, they're talking infrastructure constantly. Bored the crap out of me. That's why I want to move on myself from something when whatever Joe's done. But the, the, the Democrats could lose the House next year. Who cares if I'm a Democrat? Lose. Sign me up for a loss right now. We just, we're going to spend $5 trillion on stuff that I like. God dang it. Quit telling me about who won which race. It doesn't matter. The policy matters. God dang it. The the people who live in Washington, D.C. just love the who won and who lost crap. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Who's in, who's out. That's, I, that's all it is. as a taxpayer, care about where my money's going. That's all I care about. I don't care who's in charge. I care about who's spending my money and on what. They, they're going to lose the house. Who cares? They won! They won! They won! They won! The left won! You know, I said it a lot when the the movie was a hit, The Hunger Games, which, oddly enough, was uh, not about dieting. That's what I thought. I thought it was about... You thought, you know, I'm trying to drop a few pounds, I'm going to watch Hunger Games, it's going to have nothing but tips for me. Right, exactly. Eat lots of salads, then a third of the movie will be about exercise. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, Billboard magazine, if you're not in radio, do you still know who Billboard is? I don't know. Barely. Um, But it's it, it has been the Bible of top 10 lists, the top 100 list every week of my entire life for decades. Yeah, if you've ever heard the expression, the number one record, it's Billboard. Yeah. They're the ones that determined that. Billboard just released their 10 greatest all-time artists. I'll count them up from 10 to 1. You're not going to agree with all these. Number 10, Rihanna. That's popularity contest. But of As the, I used but, to say in third grade student council lectures. Of all time, is Rihanna going to make a mark that so many other acts you could... Anyway, I don't want to get hung up on all that. Number 9, Whitney Houston. Number 8, Michael Jackson. Number 7, Janet Jackson. That's where everybody started. Stopped. You have Janet Jackson ahead of Michael Jackson on the all-time greatest artist lists. Well, that's I'm, just bull. I don't believe it. I'm afraid that's hard to... She's rode my coattails. Number six, Stevie her, Wonder. By the way, her boobs aren't real. <laughs> Number five, Mariah Carey. My kids are fascinated with Michael Jackson and his whole story. Yes. Because they like his music and they've seen the pictures like on the album cover on my phone and stuff like that. And why does he look like that there and like that there? And Yeah, good question. <laughs> Because his dad abused him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number five, Mariah Carey. Number four, Elvis Presley. Hmm. Number three, Elton John. Num- Elton. <laughs> number two, Madonna. Hmm. And number one to lead us into Joe's review of the new Disney special. Uh, the Beatles yeah. are number one. Yeah, the Peter Jackson uh, multi-part documentary about the Beatles. You know, I could bore you to death because I've been a huge Beatles fan since I was a tiny little kid. I knew- English band? Yes, they were Brits indeed. Uh, I know the music intimately and, uh, and I've been a part of a number of bands, including that wrote our own music and recorded albums and stuff like that. And so the greatest band of all time and their function and dysfunction has always been of interest to Quartet, if I remember correctly. Indeed. Yes. Uh, John, Paul, Harry, and Bilbo, I believe. 
Um, just, uh, just very briefly, having watched the first two and a half hours of the sprawling documentary, I'm surprised people are liking it as much as they are because it is watching a band create, which is often a halting stop and start. It's not trying and trying, trying process. Having done it myself, it's not always interesting if it's your own band and your own music. No, and it's frustrating. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you this, a, a couple of thoughts. Um, uh, most prominently, uh, every functioning team, everybody has a decent idea of their roles. Uh, you know, maybe the best uh, metaphors in basketball, even though the NBA is dead to me. Um, and as a team evolves, sometimes the role player who's supposed to set up the great players for shots gets better and better at making shots. And, and his role no longer suits him. And that's George Harrison, clearly. He just needed a bigger platform. He left the Beatles and released a triple album. I think that's one sign of that. The other, the main impression um, I had was, number one, you had four very, very good creative uh, people, uh, one of whom happened to be a towering musical genius, and that's Paul McCartney. Uh, John Lennon, hell of a good songwriter, player, singer, the rest of it. Paul McCartney's a friggin' musical genius. Um, and And the other thing was, they had so many outside pressures, so many because they're trying to simultaneously produce a TV special, a new album, uh, you know, and they're coming up with these songs on the fly with cameras in their faces and people saying, do you have a minute to talk about the uh, the set, the set ideas as they're trying to, like, write, uh, let it be. And uh, the fact that they could create it all in that atmosphere is amazing to me. And you saw all the agendas, all the push and pull, the various, you know, producers and directors and, and record company people and all, it all wanted a piece. It all had their priorities. And oh my God, that just the stress of it had to be ridiculous. Their hair's too long. Bearded damn hippies. Um, uh, Commenting on their look, though, just because it was 1969, is that right? 1970, Correct. something like that? 69, um, yeah. Everybody's so skinny. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I know rock stars are skinny oftentimes because they're doing drugs and everything like it, but everybody's skinny. Everybody's girlfriend, everybody, the producers, just everybody's skinny because everybody yeah. was skinny back then. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah, what is it? Hormones in the water? Nobody mm-hmm. knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the other thing is, even uh, geniuses have a hard time communicating sometimes, and it was frustrating at times to watch, because I'd think, no, 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 you're not addressing what he's asking you. If, if you two would just stop, and he would just take a second to explain, but oh, no, now they're mad at each other. <laughs> it's universal. It's I would have never guessed that a 19-hour or whatever it is documentary about making one album would be so popular, but man, lots and lots of people are watching it. It's a huge hit. Yeah, it's just the humanity of it, I think. So Cato Institute, which is a libertarian-leaning uh, think tank, uh, they put this list out every uh, year. Freedom in the 50 states. Overall Freedom 2021 edition. What are your most free and least free? And it's a combination of personal and economic freedoms. Here, are you, what do you want first? Bottom five or top five? What's what's more exciting? For? Uh, what's your the best freest? Let's let's uh, let's uh, salute the free and then let's kick the non-free. Number five, my uh, state of birth, South Dakota. Nice. Number four, it's state I lived in when I was four years old, Tennessee. Uh, number three, never lived there, Nevada. So you got South Dakota, Tennessee, Nevada. Florida is number two. Florida is the second freest state in America, right? You're free to chew a guy's face off or what have you. I mean, often these are tiny populated states like South Dakota and Nevada. I was going to say, I'm sure the 12 people of South Dakota are thrilled to be on the list. Um, Number one, New Hampshire. Live free or freaking die, my friend. 
Oh, Freedom! Right. It's so interesting that they're right next to Vermont, which is uh, not in the top least five free, but it is one of your lesser free states ne- next to each other, as you as we all know from learning our states. I mean, they're they're practically we're the soft same on size. Socialism, yeah. They're they're spooning up there in the Northeast. Mm. And uh, well, but, it's cold, but it's just interesting. State lines. I mean, you you talk about voting with your feet. There's got to be a lot of people with your political persuasion. You think let's move. These are tiny states. Let's move 20 miles over there because I ain't digging this. Right. I'm tired of this. Whichever sure. direction it is. Yeah. But here are your bottom five least free states. Number 46, Oregon. I would have thought they would rank even lower, but uh, not a shock. Then New Jersey. Mm-hmm. California is second to the bottom. Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Hawaii is way left. And, oh, do they love rules. uh, The least free state in America, New York. California and New York are 48 and 50. Two of the top three biggest states in America. Mm -hmm. That's something. Yeah, it is. And and how are they coming along? Are there any trends in those two states that you can identify? Anything pop to mind? Anything from the headlines? I don't know. Taxes. Um, Going broke. With the highest taxes, you're going broke. Crime, exploding crime rates, etc. The Oregon Health Authority's Rules Advisory Committee met yesterday to begin the process of drafting a permanent set of rules for the state's indoor mask requirement. Permanent rules. They've finally admitted, look, the COVID thing. It's going to come and it's going to go. We want to control people after COVID is a threat to your life. The current indoor mask mandate is temporary, set to expire in February, so Oregon health leaders want to be able to switch to a permanent rule before then. Uh, I'll bet they do it, and I'll bet they uh, have the backing of a a fair chunk of the population. I was afraid of this uh, all along. Because how do you make the argument that, look, we we have 40,000 people die of the flu every year, but we won't wear masks? Right. Right. I'm I'm not arguing for masks. I'm not for that. But that's going to be the argument, and I think it'll win in a lot of places. Now they say the permanent rule can still be ended once the COVID-19 pandemic recedes to a safe level, but it can remain in place indefinitely in the meantime and won't expire prematurely while case numbers are still dangerously high. A bunch of people wearing ill-fitting paper masks. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I know a few people still that barely come out of their home. And I know some of you listening, wherever you are in America, that's just unimaginable to you because you haven't seen a mask in weeks. And Right. You're looking at your smartphone right now, trying to figure out if you're listening to an 18-month-old podcast. No, right. this is live. Right. What the hell are you guys talking about? But right. There are places where it's uh, March 2020. Well, and, and speaking of uh, New Hampshire and Vermont, uh, as you, you and I well know, there are counties in California that are a 15-minute drive from each other. One is locked up, like people are dying by the millions, and the other one, people are just doing their thing. They're living their lives. Yeah, it was similar to the whole Vermont-New Hampshire thing, like side-by-side. Side. Yep, yep, crazy. I've got a story here. A man caught trying to use a fake arm to get the vaccine shot, so he had some sort of job. <laughs> 
where they were mandating getting the vaccine and he didn't want to. So he had a fake arm tucked up underneath his shirt. The picture is funny. It's a pretty realistic looking arm, but you know, you got the lump underneath where your real arm is and you got the fake arm hanging out your shirt hole. Nice job, shirt hole. But you got the, uh, <laughs> nice, nice try. Signed drug test faces. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Also, uh, I have if various... If I'm the nurse giving the shot, I just, you know, I just, all right. I just jab it in the fake arm. Have a nice day. You know, I almost admire the commitment. Exactly. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Point of personal privilege. Don't get brazen with me. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, from the kids don't do this at home department... A man has died after chugging a 1.5-liter bottle of Coca-Cola in 10 minutes. The fizzy fiasco occurred. Hmm. Regrettable. How do we feel about that? Hmm. Not good. After the 20-year-old rapidly downed a 1.5-liter bottle of Coke to stay hydrated during hot weather. He's hot and thirsty. He comes across a liter and a half bottle of Coke and drinks the whole thing down. Six hours later, he started to experience a swollen stomach, a swollen stomach and severe pain, which sent him to the hospital where he died. Elevated heart rate, low blood pressure, rapid breathing. And they uh, think it was swigging down the coke? Aberrant levels in his intestinal wall and portal vein that provides blood to the liver. All kinds of different things happen. Yeah, that's what they think happened. Uh, a shock liver, which I'd never heard of, which is caused by a lack of oxygen to the organ. Shock oh. liver can happen and, uh, it's called a hepatabic sesima, is what it's called. Is it? <laughs> anyway, so don't do that. God, that makes my stomach hurt just thinking about it. You got to let it go, buddy. You got to go ahead and belch. And swigging down a liter and a half or oh. whatever it was. I mean, you'd really oh have to. God. It'd be thunderous. It'd be like a roaring lion. But you, you got to do it. Otherwise, you're going to get the uh, liver heshima there. <laughs> <laughs> the hepatabic heshima. Right. Shock liver. You don't want shock liver. Ask for it by name. Hey, if you're thirsty, try some uh, water. (laughs) Try that. Liter and a half. Oh, God, that just makes me, ah, oh, the pain I feel in myself. Well, it's enough to kill you. He's 22. Yeah. Don't do that at home, kids. No, it's terrible. One of those TikTok challenges. Uh, Kids and their TikTok. Am I wrong? (laughs) Oh, my kid took the TikTok off her uh, phone. Why? She said it's too easy to waste time. It's a, it's really? a, well, because there is a lot of creativity, a lot of really funny, interesting videos. They're all very short and it's like the YouTube vortex, but worse. Yeah. That's see, that's the problem that, uh, whenever that tipping point happened a few years back, if you're old enough, you remember there was actually a lack of good TV shows and good music and, you know, entertaining things to look at. There were, there were, there weren't enough. Mm-hmm. You're always seeking them out. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like when I uh, finally had enough money that I could eat as much as I wanted. <laughs> well, you don't, you know, you gotta you gotta dial it back at some point and realize, okay, now I can eat more, but I shouldn't eat more. Is that, is that way with entertainment? It doesn't matter. Yes, it's all brilliant, but it doesn't matter if it's all brilliant. 
if you spend your whole life looking at videos. I'm right. ta- Figure I'm ta- out how much you want to eat. I'm talking to myself here. If the music's brilliant, the videos are, the TV shows, and I, when I hear it, it's a great show, you got to see it. I know there's plenty of really great TV shows, but is that the what I want to do with my time? That's the question. Yeah. And that's a hard one for everybody. My son started playing, finally let him play Fortnite. He's been wanting to play Fortnite for years. And uh, the the common sense media people think around 11, 12, his age is about as young as you ought to go on the thing. And he's he's 11 and a half. So I let him play it. He's got friends that have been playing it for years. But what are you doing in that one? Are you shooting people? Are you fighting monsters? Killing people. Oh, boy. trying to get away with stuff. Oh, boy. It's not bloody. It's, you know, cartoon violence mm. as opposed to like um, uh, your um, your military stuff where it's just flat out violence, violence. Yeah, but anyway, man, he, uh, you know, it's going to take some serious regulation of how much he's allowed to play it. You're nodding your head. Have you played Fortnite, Michael? You Fortnite guy? Uh, my nephews are big yeah. time. Yeah, Fortnite. Oh, oh man, I, I love it. You know, and a good example on Saturday night. Usually on Saturday nights, we we watch TV together. But he just got the Fortnite downloaded on his uh, his uh, Nintendo Switch, and I let him play it that night. And he was online with his best friends and playing and stuff like that. So instead of him and I hanging out doing our thing on a Saturday night. He was alone in his bedroom playing a video game with his friends, and uh, you know, um, mm. uh, but he could have played all night long easily. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I took it away from him at like ten thirty. I said, "I'm going to plug this in in my room, so you're not tempted to uh, to play it." But I mean, he's full on like wide eyed. First thing he talked about in the morning, the the are video games addictive or not? Question. You know, I don't, I don't know technically what's an addiction or or not in those lines, but man, man, if it's if you if you if somebody has to take it away from you to get you to stop, and it's the first thing you think of in the morning, it's certainly in that territory. Yeah, I don't. Anybody who argues that they're not is is making a rhetorical uh, is turning it into a rhetorical exercise. They're making lawyerly arguments. Anybody who's ever witnessed kids with video games or adults, for that matter, knows it is. Or if anybody's ever felt it themselves and the, the need to go check the latest TikTok or the Twitter or whatever. What, what do you think's compelling you to do that? Yeah. The last 10 times you did it, did you come away from it thinking that was a good expenditure of your time? That's the main thing with an addiction is if after you do it, you think I'm not doing that again. And then you do. That's, that's really number one for me. Hmm. Um, on whether or not it's an addiction or not. Uh, if you get done doing something, you think that was great. I can't wait to do it again. Well, then I don't know. I suppose there are crackheads like that or meth heads. You come off a three-day bender and think, that was awesome. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> it can oh, still boy. be an addiction. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a decent uh, decent definition. Think, that's it. I'm doing that too much. I'm not going to do it again. And then you do it again. Yeah, yeah. I think kids, though, they want to play the video games constantly. Sure. There's well, no regret. They're just that they're drawn to it. They need it. And he's playing with his friends. I mean, how appealing is that? Yeah. Would, would I have done the same thing when I was his age if it existed? Hell yeah. Hell yep. yeah. So I need a life hack if anybody's got one. Maybe if we've got a thief listening, a thief would probably have a good answer for this. Or maybe you work at a store and you know. So I'm wearing this dress shirt. I don't know if I can get this out of my suit jacket so that you can see. The little gray thing that keeps you from stealing your shirt. Oh, man. That's supposed to make it beep when you walk out the door. Yeah, I, the I, security I, device thing. I paid for this shirt. I... Not in the habit of stealing clothes, but I bought the shirt and somehow they missed taking the little plastic thing off the sleeve. And uh, how do you get it off? Have you ever tried? I did one time 
and it with a lot of work, and there is serious danger of cutting yourself because there's a lot of sharp things involved, and then ink squirted all over the place. Right, right. It, it, it ruins the garment. Yeah. So does anybody know? I think you go back a, to the store and tell it, them, hey, you guys left this on. I don't think I got the receipt, though. I'm going to have to prove I didn't steal it. I don't think so. You don't think? I don't look like a no. thief? No, I got not the beady really. eyes. You got the suit going. I got Please. the slump shoulders. I look, I look like a thief. Yeah, um, is there a life hack for getting those things off? They got that piece of equipment, or can you buy that piece of equipment? Surely that—that's. Do thieves? Wait a minute. Do thieves own those little things? You just slide on there, and it makes them come off. Well, I'm reminded of the shoplifting rings that are running rampant in Cal Unicornia, where they've decriminalized crime and, and they're stealing, you know, purses, uh, dresses, clothes, jackets by the rack. That's so, a good yeah, point. they've got to have a way to deal with that. That's a good point. They must have a way to get these off. If you know, text line 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. And that reminds me, because so many people steal so much now from all your, uh, like, uh, CVS's, Walgreens, those kinds of places... Every damn thing you want to buy is behind lock and key, so you have to find an employee to buy the cheapest dang thing. Right. I, I remind you of that email we got the other day from a guy who lived in South Africa in the early 2000s, third world country, dangerous, lots and lots of crime. You had to be buzzed into every store, including like a barbershop. We are permitting America to become a third world country. It's yeah. it's in front of you. Army. 